Wonderful. Again, welcome to church. We're going to dive into the Word of God. Um, so if you've got your Bibles on your phone or you've got a, a, a uh, physical Bible, grab that out. We're going to turn to the Gospel of John. Um, and I'm going to do something a bit different over these next couple of months. Um, we're going to do a deep dive into the Gospel of John. Uh, we're, going to, we're going to just dive in. Um, you know, I have not done much diving in my life, but... Part of it is just immersing yourself in something. Uh, because surprisingly, I think there's some music. Steve, if you could just, I think the cafe, it's fine. We'll sort that. There's the party going on still at the cafe. <laughs> but uh, that's after the service, uh, which we've welcomed you to stay and connect. Um, part of the challenge I've found uh, as a pastor has to be uh, God what are you wanting to say to your people? That, to me, I see that as my biggest responsibility, and there probably are bigger ones, but for me, this has been the chief uh, mission and, and, and you know, job that God gives me to do every week, and I take it very, very seriously. I take it very uh, um, seriously is a good word. I didn't need to expand on that further because I know that it's not my good ideas that can help, but it's the Word of God applied into our life that brings change. When we hear and we receive the Word of God planted in us, when you put that into your life, the Bible says that fruit will come out of it. There will be a harvest. So, so the challenge for me is, God, where are you wanting to speak to us from? And, and a part of the challenge is also part of the, the relief because God, thank you that I don't have to come up with the good ideas, that God, you've already come up with them. But there's so many good ideas in here, uh, things are coming out of my Bible, um, that the, the challenge for me has been, God, where exactly and what exactly are you wanting to say? And, and, and you know, God is so faithful. I remember meeting with uh, Pastor Calvin, who's a great mentor and a father in the faith to me, before I took on this role and I was worried about preaching and having a message every week. But he says, as, as you pour out, God will keep pouring into your life. And, and that has been true. I have found that every time I need to say something, God is faithful to give something. So I don't have to worry about that. And so in my prayer and, and, and going, God, where is it that you want us to, to gather around? The book of John uh, has, has been in my heart and personally is my favourite gospel to read. And, and what we're going to do over, I don't know how long this series is going to go, but we're going to go for it as long as God wants us to go for it. Because I believe as we dive into this, we're going to be so blessed by what's in there. And, and I think as, as you can gather around, as we're, we're spending time in this, you're going to see that there is such richness in the Word of God. And you're going to be able to go, if, if that's in there, what's in the rest? And how do I get into it? How do I develop an appetite? How do I apply it into my life? So it's all about developing these good habits, I think, in our Christian life. And the chief habit in our Christian life is to be a person of the Word of God. And so we're going to dive into the Gospel of John. And it was written by a guy named John. There's not too much... Uh, um, you know, argument around the author of who the gospel is. And, and it's not John the Baptist, although John the Baptist is mentioned, but the author is, uh, is agreed to be uh, by all the scholars that do all the smart stuff that I don't have to do, thank the Lord, is that it's uh, John the, the Apostle, uh, John uh, who was uh, with uh, Jesus as one of the 12 apostles. He was the one that got to lean on Jesus' chest and ask him, hey, who is it? 
that's going to betray you. And there was a closeness of relationship between Jesus and John especially. Uh, and so this is that John who's writing to us an account of what happened when Jesus walked the earth. And as you know, there are, there are three other Gospels, Matthew, Mark and Luke. And they are sometimes called the synoptic Gospels. And, 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 and they, they're called that because they connect with each other. They, you can read them in parallel with each other. They were based around the content of Mark was the first one to be written. And I think uh, Matthew and Luke were written after that and they would reference Mark. And so you'll see a lot of the same stories, a lot of the similarities in those Gospels. But when you get to the Gospel of John, you begin to notice that this gospel stands by itself a little. It is, it is not like the others. Although it contains the subject of the others, it is written from a different perspective. And it's written from John's perspective. And, and, and what you find is this unique telling of the story. And really the purpose of the book, and I'll, we're going to get to straight away, right at the start, what is the purpose of the book of John? And it's, it's actually written in John chapter 20, verses 30 to 31. It says, The disciples saw Jesus do many miraculous signs in addition to the one recorded in this book, but these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and by believing in Him, you will have life by the power of His name. So the, the whole purpose of the Gospel of John is for faith in Jesus to become elevated in our life. So that we would see afresh the person of Jesus. Not just to see Jesus as a historical figure, but to see Jesus as the one they called the Messiah. Which is a term that was used back in the day for, uh, by Jewish people of an anointed one. A kingly figure that would come and save the people. And so when they called Jesus the Messiah, they were saying that Jesus, you are the one we've been waiting for. You are the king that was coming to save your people. And so... What we're going to do is, uh, my prayer for us is that we would begin to see Jesus afresh in our life. That, God, that through the book of John, that God would speak to you and I about who Jesus is and about what is the impact of this Jesus in our life. And you may think, well, hey, 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 I've heard about Jesus. I, hey, you, I don't care how many messages you've heard about Jesus, you can hear another one. I don't care how many sermons and songs you've read about Jesus. You, you will not tap that resource. That is an unending resource of God's provision to us. Jesus, I believe we are just beginning to, to, to open the floodgates of our knowledge of Jesus, our experience of Jesus. So would hunger begin to arise in your life for that impart and that impact of the person of Jesus into your life? Let us not, and it's like that song says, Lord, shake up the tradition. Shake up the religion. Lord, I'm not satisfied just to go through the motions. Are you with me today, church? Lord, give me a fresh hunger to experience and to know Jesus afresh again. Because that is the key for us, as you see. That is the key. Jesus is the key. And, and so John is writing to a, a baby church, an infant church, a new church, is it, they, they think the, the, that John wrote this probably about 60 AD or between 90 AD, right early after the events of Jesus, uh, of his uh, dying and, and resurrection and all that stuff. So it's still fresh. The church is still fresh. And, and you know, I don't know, well, we all know that things that are new are sometimes not stable. When you see what, who, 
what do the predators attack in, in the pride? They go for not the strong, not, not the, the, the mature. They go for either the young or the sick. So I can imagine as John, an apostle, talking to a church that is, is young and, and, and new, he's wanting to strengthen them in their faith. He's wanting to, to bring them a stability in their faith by elevating the person of Jesus, by, by showing them that Jesus is the one that their hope is on. And this book, not only is it about strengthening believers, but a major part of this book is about bringing the message of Jesus to those who have never heard. Hey, and we're here to do that, church. We're here to be an evangelizing church, as well as a church that is discipling. Our whole mission statement as a church is to help people find and follow Jesus. So we have to do the finding part as well as the following part. And so my, my challenge to us, church, okay, as we embark in the book of John, A, would you make uh, the book of John a part of your daily uh, a devotion with God and, and just start to put it in your life and maybe you do half a chapter here or whatever your rhythm is, would you put that into your rhythm? Consider it at least. I'm not telling you what to do. It's, an, it's a proposition. Would you think about it? And then my second challenge is, as we come to the book of John, would you begin to start to believe for salvation to come in the life of our church? And what I mean by that is that you know people in your world that need, the, the, that need Jesus, that need relationship with Jesus, they need salvation with Jesus. Would you start to believe and to pray that as we talk about this Jesus, that we will see salvations come? It doesn't just have to be on a Sunday, but I'm believing for that. But might be in your work. It might be, you know, in your family, that God's going to bring you to a place where you can lead people into salvation in Jesus. Would you, would you believe that with me? Because a key purpose of, of the Gospel of John is to let the world know that Jesus is alive and that Jesus is there to save and to restore and to empower our life. So today what we're going to do is we're going to tackle the, the opening of John. We're going to look into the uh, what... Yeah, we're just going to start working our way through John. It's going to be exciting, different, exciting. So let's read together John 1, verses 1. And it says, uh, In the beginning the Word already existed. He was with God and He was God. He was in the beginning with God. He created everything there is. Nothing exists that He didn't make. Life itself was in Him. And this life gives light to everyone. The light shines through the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent John the Baptist to tell everyone about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was only a witness to the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was going to come into the world. But although the world was made through him, the world didn't recognise him. When he came, even in his own land, among his own people, he was not accepted. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn. This is not a physical rebirth resulting from human passion or plan. This rebirth comes from God. So the Word became human and lived here on earth among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, the glory of the only Son of the Father, 
John pointed him out to the people. He shouted to the crowds, This is the one I was talking about when I said, Someone is coming who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before I did. And we have all benefited from this rich blessings he has brought to us, one gracious blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God, his only son, who is himself God, is near to the Father's heart. He has told us about him. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. We pray that just as your Holy Spirit inspired the word, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would illuminate it to our hearts, that we would begin to see, Lord, afresh what you're saying to us through this passage. In Jesus' name, amen. So um, who loves going to the movies? I mean, I do. I love it. Uh, At the start of the movie, before the movie, you see trailers and they're little snapshots into what's coming. Uh, And even before you get into the cinema, you see little... um, Uh, posters of the things coming up, little teasers, little introductions to new movies that are coming up. And what we find here at the beginning of John is a trailer for the rest of the book. You see an introduction uh, to the themes that we're going to cover that that John wants to explore. Um, You see some some powerful, powerful things, but it's an introduction and it's it's a snapshot into what's coming. And so we can see some of the major themes of life and light and Jesus and creation all coming through here. Uh, the theme of receiving God, it's all here. So what we're going to do is just unpack what's in this passage and, and find some key applications for our life to walk away with this week. Okay, so it says in the beginning. That's how it starts, in the beginning. Can you think of anywhere else in the Bible it says in the beginning? In the beginning. Yeah. So in the beginning, it says in the beginning. Uh, Gen- you know, that God created And the author didn't just do that on accident. He obviously did this on purpose. And what he's wanting to draw our attention to is that God in Jesus is creating something new. That there is a new creation happening with Jesus coming onto the scene. God was in the business of creating something new. And I love how John starts in the beginning. Because as you notice in the other Gospels, the Gospels start with the birth of Jesus and the story around how He comes onto. And so we think that's early. But the author wants us to know, hey, no, Jesus is much more early than that. Jesus was around before everything began. So right at the outset, the author is wanting us to see Jesus not just as a man, but to see Him as a divine God to see Him as the one that was God and with God. And and we'll get into that because it says, in the beginning was the Word. And for all my life, a lot of my life, that confused the heck out of me. What does that mean? Uh, And I had no idea. That doesn't make sense um, because they're saying then the Word became flesh. And so what we'll do is we'll break it down a little bit and we'll try and explore what was meant and and what that means for us today. So that actual Word, word uh, in the Greek is logos. Um, And that term, obviously foreign to us, um, was very well-known word in the day that this book was written. It was a word that some Greek philosophers would think that, that logos meant the logical reason for everything to exist. The reason for everything existing was the logos. Some philosophical people of that time 
would realise that this is the meaning of life, the reasoning for life was logos. And so John used it knowing that different people would, would have different appreciations of what that word meant. But he was also writing to a, a Jewish audience. A lot of new Christians at that stage were people that had been converted from Judaism and are now Christians. So he's writing to a group of people that are fresh converts to, to Christianity but have a, a strong background in Judaism. So he's, he's wanting to grab a hold of that. He's using it as like a hook. He's using it as something to, for them to connect with. And I love how God does that in our life. He'll use something in our life to connect us and to catch us because it's about that connection. He's not just talking about something that we got no idea about. He's wanting to make it relevant. That's why when Jesus would talk, He would talk with stories. He would talk with, with analogies and He would connect with us. And so that's what, what John is doing. He's doing a connecting thing by saying the Word. In the beginning, the Word already existed. So if we think of what the Word represented to the people who, who had converted from Judaism, the word, the word of the Lord was seen so powerfully in the Old Testament. Uh, this idea of the Word of the Lord. I want to read to you a couple of scriptures. And we're doing a bit of a study. Is that okay? We've got a, a study hat on. And, 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 and I don't want to just study and then walk away my head full, but my heart empty. What we're going to make sure is that our head can get full, but then our heart is moved with what, what we need to do. And that it's going to be a combination of that. So, so this is not a school lesson. This is a message uh, uh, I'm praying that would move us to action and would inspire us to faith. Uh, and so in Psalm 33, 6, it says, The Lord merely spoke and the heavens were created. He breathed the word and all the stars were born. Now, this is the context of what the word meant to the people reading it. He breathed the word and all the stars were born. Isaiah 55 verses 11 says this. It says, It is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper everywhere I send it. That's the word in Isaiah 55 11. Psalm 107 verses 20. It says, He sent out His word and healed them, snatching them from the door of death. So what we can see, uh, and I'm just going to read a quote from, from something. It says, in short, God's Word in the Old Testament is His powerful self-expression in creation, revelation and salvation. And the personification of that Word makes it suitable uh, for John to apply it as the title to God's ultimate self-disclosure, the person of His own Son. So in Jesus, God is speaking to us. And that's why it says the Word. It is God's expression, God's revelation of who Jesus is and who He is in our life. So is that some, hopefully that's help, helping us clarify this idea of, and the Word became flesh. So it says the Word already existed. He was with God and, and, and He was God. He was in the beginning with God. And it says He created everything there is. So Jesus wasn't just involved in humanity when He came on the earth. And, and, and we're going to read a little bit later what that was like. But Jesus was involved in creation. Jesus was an agent of creation. 
Uh, he was around. He was with God. And this idea, uh, it says he was, uh, he was with God, denotes a closeness of relationship with God. That they were in such fellowship with each other that they weren't just uh, strangers, but the Father and the Son were in fellowship with one another. And, and out of that fellowship, they created something. <laughs> they created, they created. And so we're going we're gonna to see the application of that in just a moment. But, but Jesus was full, was full of, of that creative power and, and He was there. And, then, and we're going to focus now um, on this aspect in verses 10. It says, But although the world was made through Him, the world didn't recognise Him when He came. Even in His own land, among His own people, He was not accepted. This, this theme of accepting or not accepting Jesus is a major theme in the book. A lot of the people that would hear the words of Jesus could not, for whatever reason, accept Jesus, the message of Jesus, and they, they, they couldn't receive it. And so the challenge for us becomes, are we receiving what God is giving to us in Jesus? And it says the benefit of receiving that thing is that, but to all who believed, him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. How amazing that through faith in Jesus, you get to become a son and a daughter of God. You get to belong to him who created everything, who knows everything. That is an invitation for your life to become more than just an existence by itself. But God's inviting you into family. God's inviting you into love. He's inviting you into the fellowship that He shares with the Father. God's inviting you to a new birth, a new birth. How exciting. And I love what what it says when the Word became flesh. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But can you imagine being God, being with God and then deciding that, that you weren't just going to remain at a distance, but you were going to come in and you were going to connect with people. And that's one of the takeaways right now is that although God was involved in this creation, this grand plan of 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 cosmic putting together of the universe. Could you imagine if that was your job? We'd all be in trouble if it was my job. But they were doing these big things and you could imagine that maybe, just maybe, they might be a bit too busy to come down onto our level and to connect with us. Sometimes we think of that with people. I don't want to bother that person. They're a bit busy. They're, they're a very important person. But the God of the universe that created everything was not too busy to get involved with your life. He says he stepped down out of, of creating, out of this divine place of being God. And he, he stepped down and still remained God, but he put on flesh, the Bible talks about. It says he made his dwelling among us. The, the imagery that comes to mind is that it's a, of a tent that when Israel was going through the desert, they would set up a tent for the presence of God and then God would go and, and reside. And people like Moses and Joshua would go into the tent. They would connect with God. They would come out of the tent. But then the Bible says here that Jesus made His tent on earth here with us. And it's a representation of God's presence coming down and connecting with us. So can you for a, a minute... Just remember that God has got you in His hand. 
That not only is God involved in creation, but He's involved in the very elements of your life. That this God that, that would do all of this comes down. I want you to see that, that Jesus, the God of the universe, comes down. <coughs> Let me just get a little bit of liquid. I just, I'm labouring on this point because I want it to sink in. Firstly, if God and Jesus, you know, if they were creating, which they did at the beginning, and, and in Colossians, it says this about Christ, the creator, in, in chapter 1, verses 15, it says, Christ, the visible image of the invisible God, He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through Him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things that we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through Him and for Him. He existed before anything else. He holds all creation together. That's Jesus. He has done that. So when we look at our world and we see the chaos that is going on and you might begin to think that the world is in a chaos spin that we don't know. Well, thank you, Steve. That is so nice of you. We might think, you might, when you look at the news, you might think that the world's out of control. But let me tell you, God's still on the throne. God's still in control. God hasn't let go of creation. God hasn't lost the power to sustain creation. Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus sustains creation. That He created all things and that He sustains all things. So I want you to believe right now that things are going to be okay. That our world is going to be okay. That not because dumb luck, not because politicians, this politician, not because anything else other than God is in control. Jesus is in control of creation. I want you to believe that. I want you to feel that. And I want fear to go. I want, if you're worried about, you know, all the stuff that the world is causing us to be fearful about, would that be replaced with the firm belief that God has got it under control? In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And He was God. And from that place of Sorting out everything and being in control on this major level, this cosmic level, Jesus then comes down and makes his dwelling among us. So just like you can believe God to be in control of everything that's going on in the world, I want you to start to believe that God is in control of everything going on in your life. He's made his dwelling among us. He came down so that we could connect with Him. Nothing is outside of God's connection, outside of His control. Nothing's out of His reach. Nothing's too small, actually, for God to deal with your life. We see the heart of God that wants to be involved. A lot of people think that God is not wanting to be involved or that God hates me or God's not wanting to be with me. Let me tell you, God is so interested in connecting you into, his, into the family is that He would come down and make His dwelling. He would put on flesh and blood and bone and He'd walk and, he, and He'd get dirt in His feet and He would deal with, he would deal with um, all the stuff that we would have to deal with, the temptations of life, the troubles of life, the grief of life. Jesus Jesus put all of that on so that He could connect us into His family. Are you with me today, church? So it's like an invitation. 
It's, 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 it's hopefulness that comes that God is in control of it all and God is, in, is here with me. And I love that it says that Jesus came uh, in verses 14. And so the Word became human and lived here on earth among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. We have seen the glory, the glory of the only Son of the Father. And then, and then in verse 16, we'll go to, we have all benefited from the rich blessings He brought to us, one gracious blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses. God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus. What a wonderful thing. And people would know what the law was because they had been trying to live up to the law their whole life and been failing and, and struggling. And have you ever felt like that in your life, that, that you can't quite live up to the standard that God has set out for you? Hey, I've been there. Come on now. But guess what? God doesn't leave us at the place of disappointment because Jesus came and put on flesh and bone. So that, and guess what He comes with? Judgment and condemnation. Mm-mm, that's not in the Bible. Jesus comes with faithfulness. And what does it say? Unfailing love and faithfulness. In other translations, it talks about grace and truth. I love that because God leads with grace. Grace to say that it's okay if you've made a mistake. It's okay that you're dealing with stuff. It's okay. But then He comes with truth that would say, let's deal with it. Let's get to the bottom of it. Let's smash sin in the face so that you can be free. Come on, that's Jesus came to destroy the work of the enemy. He doesn't want you to live in sin or live in brokenness. But on the other hand, he's not condemning you for being in that place. He's saying, would you get, come on, get up. And he's got his arms open and he's saying, I have grace upon grace for you. Would you feel that in your life that God's got open arms to you? Not closed off hand, not judging arms, but he's got openness to you and inviting you to experience his glory, to experience his goodness. So application time, application time. Here's what I, and we've already gone into it a little bit, but would we see Jesus afresh in our life? Would we begin to see the person of Jesus as not some historical figure, but the one that God sent for our life? Would you begin to see Him as the Saviour of your life, the one that, that you need, the one that has is, is been given so that you could have connection and family with God. Jesus has come to save us. Jesus has come to be with you. Would you, would you see that? That Jesus is there for relationship in our life. Would you see Jesus as the creator God, the powerful God? Put, put fresh goggles on in Jesus' name to see Jesus for who He really is. So that when we look at our life, when we see our circumstances, that they wouldn't be the biggest thing in the in picture. Do you get what I'm saying? When we see Jesus for who He is, we can begin to see that the other things in their right perspective. It sounds like it's coming from there. <laughs> Jesus is in control. And so part of my prayer for you and for I is that, Lord, give us eyes to see Jesus for who He is. I want to know Jesus. And it even talks about, we have seen His glory, 
the glory of the only Son of the Father, would I become so enamoured with Jesus that I see the glory of the Son of the Father, that I wouldn't just see a historical figure, but I would see my personal Lord and Saviour, Jesus, the glorious one, the Creator one, the one who sustains all things, Jesus who was there when it all began, Jesus who is sustaining it all, Jesus the one inviting us into family, would you see Him? for who He is. That's, that's application. That's what we can do. And we talked about that God's got it under control. We talked about how God's got you under control. He's got everything uh, in His view that nothing's too small, nothing's too hard, nothing's too big for Jesus. And, and the last takeaway from this passage is that would you begin to receive that which Jesus is wanting to bring into your life? Receiving what Jesus brings is the key part that we bring to the table. If we don't receive what Jesus is giving, it, you will not benefit from the blessing of it. You, it's not just a being around a sermon. It, you can come to church and you'll be blessed. I, I promise you that. You, you'll have a coffee and you'll, be, you'll leave more hopeful. But it's not until you receive it that truly the blessings become known in your life. And there's such power on that right now. God's just asking you, He's just standing at, at your heart and saying, would you receive me? Would you receive me? And I can just feel God connecting with you. And, and for whatever reason, we've kept him out, whether it's because of my past experience, but Jesus said, would you receive me? Would you let me in so that I could just restore and heal and, and recreate in your life? Because we see really the core of this passage is that, but to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave right to become children of God. Would you receive him today? Why don't we pray? Let's, let's just all close our eyes and bow our heads. And Every person, would you just have this moment with God? And whether you want to say it out loud or in your heart, would you just say, Jesus, I receive you. Jesus, I receive you. Jesus, I receive you. And what you're doing at that point is if your heart had a door, you're just opening it. I want you to see that picture. You're just opening your heart and you're asking Jesus to come in and live with you. And guess what? Jesus says, absolutely. Because He's already come. He's already made His dwelling among us. The Bible says is that God is with us. Jesus has come so that He can have relationship with you. So as you've opened up that your heart to God, I want you to just see God moving in and setting up His home in your heart. And guess what? He's coming with unfailing love and faithfulness. Would you receive that? Would you receive the restoration of whatever's broken in your life? Would you receive the help for whatever struggle that you're facing? God is embracing you as He would a son, as He would a daughter. God is loving you, calling you His own. You are not your own, you are His. You are not alone, you are His. And I want you to see now that you've invited Jesus into your heart, 
I want you to see Him as the creator of everything, the sustainer of everything, who's creating a fresh start in your life, a fresh, uh, a fresh beginning in your life. Where you've lost hope, God's bringing fresh hope into your life. And He's doing it through the power of His Son. He's doing it through the power of His presence. So God, thank You for what You're doing in our life. Jesus, we want to be people that receive You. We want to be people that see You for who You are. Would You help us and bless us as we come around Your Word? In Jesus' Name, Amen. God bless you. Hey, that's the end of the service, but I want to give an opportunity for anybody after the service, if you want prayer for anything, would you just come up and I'd love to pray with you. And if maybe that accepting of Jesus into your life was something that you've never done before and you're like, I just did that and it feels awesome, but you want more information, come up the front. We'd love to pray with you. God bless you, church. I will see you next week for more John. Yeah, God bless you.